Welcome into another week of free basketball. Hope everyone had an excellent Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Late Mother's Day to all you mothers that we may or may not know. Um, if we have mothers listening to this podcast, thank you that you're here. And if you are, then you must be an avid basketball fan because I would assume that wouldn't be our biggest demographic. Uh, but uh, hope everyone had a great Mother's Day. I am joined this week again by Daniel Greer, Cody. We tried to do something yesterday, had a little uh, mix up, so wasn't able to get on. So me and Daniel are going to talk about the update of the second round. This shouldn't be too long of an episode today, but we hope you enjoyed last week's episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, so Daniel, how, how was everything? How was your Mother's Day? Mother's Day was great. Went to the zoo. The weather was amazing. Kids acted good, surprisingly, but they were good. <laughs> so it was a good day. Uh, mom got her uh, Topo Chico seltzer, hard seltzer stuff happening oh. on a Sunday. Oh, oh, so it was a good day. She uh, yeah. she enjoyed a good book out on the hammock. So uh, not bad. Not bad. I did well. So she, she didn't get she didn't get a little buzz on and try to fight a kangaroo. Uh, no kangaroos. We did walk around with kangaroos at the zoo, but none of them came up at us. Thankfully, I was going to throw out the littlest one because she's a bulldog. So I figured she could take one at least. If not, she's going to take a good look. Well, if you don't know, Daniel, that's a VIP experience. So you have to be Memphis royalty to be able to walk around with the kangaroos. Uh, so yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. We might have to take the kids up there. I'm more worried about my kids trying to jump in a kangaroo pouch or something like that. Um, uh, because I that's hope. just my kids, but yeah, I sound a little different on the road, dropped the kid off last week of school for him, which is exciting. I don't have to get up early anymore after this week. Uh, so summer, our first experience with summer break is incoming with kids and, Man, I get why you parents enjoy those two and a half, three months in between. Uh, so if you hear some 18-wheelers driving by, trucks honking, then that's it. Not, it's not because I'm at a truck rally or something. Uh, but let's talk about the second round. We've had two series even up, 2-2. Two, two. The 76ers were able to even it up last night against the Miami Heat, which last week, Let's do a quick recap of that. I said, I think the 76 are going to win the series. And you are all on the Miami Heat, which is surprising for you if you've listened to us in the past. Not a big Heat culture guy uh, on the Daniel Greer side of things. And I, I've always been, so it was shocking to hear me fade the Heat. But Daniel's support, uh, now that it's 2-2 with Embiid coming back, who was much better yesterday in Game 4, but wasn't great in Game 3. Did you notice a big difference with just Embiid being back? And do you think that the series has indeed flipped? Or do you still like this, have a strong opinion on the Miami Heat winning the series still? You know, it doesn't take much for me to flip on the Miami Heat. So <laughs> I'll roll with the, the Philadelphia 76ers and be wrong every day. Uh, but I don't, I don't think it was... I don't think it was as much about Embiid as it was Harden. Harden finally looked like he wishes he could look, uh, not because of how he should look, because he, he just has not been that player the entire year. Uh, right. But this is like him and a, a hope and a dream. This is really what he I, ideally thinks of himself, and he played like it. So in the end, 
it was it was more about James Harden, but Embiid looked like he was okay. We'll say. Okay. Yeah, because the biggest difference obviously has been game one and two. The 76ers just were not hitting anything from three. And it flipped going back home. I mean, they shot almost close to 40 to 5 to 50 percent at home. So do you think this is a seven game series and it's maybe it's just the home team wins every game this series? Is that kind of the feel of this series or do you think the 76ers can actually steal one in Miami? Yeah, I think the 76ers can, because if you look at uh, the way that they're playing and how they're winning, um, it is by their big dogs. But on the other side, what's Kyle Lowry doing? Um, mm. I, I think that he has been the biggest issue. Uh, and if you don't get a good shooting game out of uh, somebody like Tyler Hero, then, I, man, they just – it seems like they're just bland in Miami. And, you know, that's the opposite of what the city is, right? And so I think that uh, Miami Heat are – they have to have someone help out Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler finally is starting to play well and, and finding to look like he's dominant on the offensive end and not just a good, a really good defender. Uh, and so I really think that they have to have somebody step up because Bam, I don't know if Bam's going to go off for 21 points, uh, you know, consistently. I think he has the potential, but with Embiid there, the better he starts feeling – I, I don't know if Adebayo is going to be the answer as the number two. So they're going to have, to have somebody else step up because Kyle Lowry doesn't look like he's going to. Yeah, it's a great point because Lowry has looked extremely creaky. But I don't know why we just – we're people who've watched basketball for a long time. This is what Kyle Lowry does in the playoffs. He disappears. And he had Kawhi Leonard to his benefit in that one big run, but – you go back to when Kyle, How uh, Kyle Lowry was a lot younger with DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he always struggled in playoffs. So now we have a much older Kyle Lowry. Why did we assume that he was going to play well in the playoffs when his track record for this has not been very good? Uh, so he, he's got to kick it up a notch. He looks creaky. He looks like every kind of, you know, forearm or little knee shiver he takes, he's about dead. Um, so he's just one tweak away from being done and he didn't play a lot in the first round anyways. And I don't think he played very much in the first couple games in this series regardless. So it's just a weird thing because Lowry, they spent a lot to get him and he is just not giving the production that I think they were hoping for. But the weird thing about it is they shot the ball extremely poorly from three and Duncan Robinson, the guy they gave a $90 million contract to, and I know everybody's pointed this out, that this man has played, what, a minute maybe in garbage time? One, that's it, one. What, what is going on with him? Is he secretly injured that we don't know about? Did he say something about Spolstra's wife? Like, what's <laughs> going on? Why, why is Duncan Robinson not playing anymore? It's like Max Struess and Tyler Hero only. Right. I was actually about to bring him up because I don't understand why he hasn't played either. Um, back on 5-4, I'm guessing that was the first game of the series or whatever, uh, one of the first two, uh, where, the, where they won, he played one minute. And it was just straight garbage time, and he had a rebound, right? Uh, yeah. But besides that, he started in the first game on game one. Uh, versus the Hawks, and he came out when eight yes. of nine from three, <laughs> yes. and just went for twenty-seven points and looked great. 
They have 23 minutes, mind you, 23 minutes. The next game, he literally played seven minutes, and then he played 14, 9, 13, and then his last game in game two, it was uh, it was one minute. So I don't know why he hasn't played at all because it's not like he just looks terrible. Like his, his stats don't look just atrocious where he's playing 20 minutes and no stats. He literally didn't play more than 15 minutes. And two of those games had nine minutes and seven minutes. So I don't know what's going on. They could use him as a floor spacer. And I don't know why they like him over somebody like Struess. I don't understand that. Struess had 30 minutes and scored six points and fouled out. Yeah. I I don't know why they're not splitting the minutes between Struess and Robinson. I, I don't understand. That's why there has to be like there has to be something else going on that we don't know. I don't know if it's like an approval by the players, like Jimmy Butler's like, nah, Duncan's not it. Because, you know, the players seem to have that kind of pull. So if Lowry and Butler and Bam are like, nah, we can't do it with Robinson. We like Struess better. Maybe that's why Spolster's playing him. I I don't really understand. I haven't seen a report. I definitely don't think he's injured. It's just really odd to leave, in theory, your best three-point shooter who I know had a slump year this year that you just signed a $90 million like four-year contract, I believe, to just not play him at all in the playoffs. So I don't know if this is a long game play to where maybe they're hiding him towards the Eastern Conference finals if they get there. I just think that's kind of presumptive that you're going to make it to the Eastern Conference finals when you've lost two games in a row and you're in a dogfight. I mean, you've got to throw everything to the wall here. I, there's no strategy left to be played. I don't think what, like what, what do you have an extra opinion on that? Yeah. So it, uh, something just came out. Um, it came out at uh, this morning, Monday morning, re- recording this early, uh, but Glushon sports management. I don't know how the first name is, but G L U S H O N sports management. Just put out a tweet at roughly 8.57 a.m. Exactly 19 months ago, Duncan Robinson put up 26 points, including seven three-pointers in a win in the 2020 NBA Finals. The Athletic did a full – they had a report on it, right? They did a full article, and they made sure they brought that back up to light. Okay, so exactly 19 months ago. And it's so funny because then Zach Lowe caught it and said, it seems like an interesting – timed tweet from Duncan Robinson's representatives just saying like so mm. that sports management mm. company is is part of Duncan Robinson they represent him so wow. I didn't know that I was just looking through the timeline to kind of see if we can find some information so it looks like it's not just his an, an injury because they wouldn't put that out there and Zach Lowe would know much more than we do uh, right. so he would know if he's injured but He's thinking the same thing. It's weird that they're putting that out there, but also like what's going on? Why is he not playing? And so John Hollinger, there's a lot of people that actually have spoken on this. Uh, And so even Skip Bayless, Shay Serrano, like there's a lot of people on this. So go check it out. Just put in Duncan Robinson, literally. And that's the first like five of the 10 tweets that pop up with those big dogs. Wow. Yeah. I hadn't seen anything about that morning, but uh, that kind of tweet from them is interesting for where they're at in the playoffs. I'm sure Duncan just wants to help the team, right? Like he's not 
selfishly like, bro, I'm not getting my minutes. I He must believe that, well, I'm sure any NBA player believes this, but he's got to believe that he can contribute to this team and he doesn't understand why he's not getting that chance over someone like Max Strews. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't really get it unless, you know, Pat Riley, you know, the God um, is using a galaxy brain move and trying to pump up Max Struess, um, uh importance. So maybe somebody will trade him something for him in the offseason. I don't know. Like what? What's, there has to be strategy behind it. I just don't understand what it is, but it is a weird situation. Um, I'm going to stick with the 76ers winning this series. I do think it is going to be in seven. I don't think the 76ers are going to win four games in a row. I would be surprised because they're, they will have one more bad three-point shooting game, um, and I would expect that to be in game five. Uh, is that kind of how you see the series playing out, or do you think the 76ers just have this easy rolled and they're going to win the next two? Yeah, I think it has to go seven. Uh, the Heat are still good enough to grab one, especially one of the two home wins. And so, um, yeah, I, I think they'll be okay. I, I think the Heat will grab uh, – they have to grab game five. They have to. They want. They think they, they will win this series uh, because yeah. there's no way you're going to go lose three games in a row than go back and win the next two, especially the next game six on the road. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I will take – I'll flip on this. I'll, I'll grab the 76ers for sure, but I'm going to grab it probably – um in seven because uh six Mm. is tough yeah that's tough for either team honestly and it sets up for another Embiid heartbreaking game seven go home loss um here here we go part of the playoffs but the next one we watched yesterday was the Dallas Mavericks even up the series against the one seed the Phoenix Suns where the overall theme of the NBA playoffs so far has been everyone complaining about fouls. And it's an interesting discussion. I don't know if we want to go super in length with this because it has been something that has been obvious, right? Like we've always said that the NBA is rigged and everyone kind of feels like particular games have been very obviously and overtly rigged in this NBA playoffs, which is odd because... The NBA cares about, quote-unquote, integrity. They built an entire office in Secaucus to look at this and replay everything. So I assume that the refereeing is better because if they don't do a good job, they're getting fired, right? Um, So I don't understand why everyone thinks that the refereeing is worse. So maybe it is the... Uh, it's the NBA kind of set themselves up for their own failure here with having replay, with having the ability to slow down, with having the ability for coaches to challenge. The refereeing to me has gotten better because there's more pressure on the refs to make the right calls, but the kind of fallout, there's always a give and take, right? There's always um something that comes out of this unintended consequence that's the word i've been searching for for this whole time the unintended consequence of this is now everyone can go look at everything that's not a replay review ref and criticize it themselves so um i know phoenix suns fans do you feel like they have kind of a case in this game being rigged because chris paul fouls out with almost nine minutes left to go in the fourth 
and we've got people on Twitter defending the refs and the people defending um, the Suns and Chris Paul saying it was bogus. Like, what, what's your feeling about that game? Yeah, I think you can look at every game and honestly, you, you could nitpick the referees in almost every game if you really, really wanted to. Let's just be very honest. Uh, but in game two, that was the most fouls called realistically. And that was, I think it was 54 fouls total in game two. And the Suns won by 20 points. So that was 54. So then you go back to yesterday's game, which had a lot, but it was, what was that? 46. So it wasn't as many fouls. I don't know if it's because it's on certain players. I don't know if Chris Paul is just, if he was angry, but I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I didn't watch enough of that game because uh, with all honesty, this has been the series that is so tough to watch. It's just yeah. tough to watch because it's just slow, monotonous. Chris Paul is always doing his BS that he does, and it's boring basketball <laughs> to me personally because he's always foul hunting when he's on offensive end. And then he's on the defensive end. If you pick him, he flops. I'm not a huge Chris Paul fan. I've, I've kind of over the years kind of liked him more and more. Uh, so it's tough to watch. And then the Dallas offense is just atrocious with, with Luca having the ball in his hand, the entire offensive end. And then he kicks it out and Finney Smith amazingly hits a bunch of threes. Like that's yeah. their offense. And it's, it's just tough to watch. So I had to turn it off. It was mother's day. So I wouldn't have a chance to watch as much as I wanted to. So I don't want to give too much of a take on it. Uh, but if you look at this, it was just Chris Paul that had the issue. Like the yeah. next person had four fouls on his team and the other team, yeah, four fouls was the max. So I think this is more of a Chris Paul issue uh, because mm. I don't know if it was completely, you know, flipped on its head, you know, in a sense that they can be so angry about the officials, but I don't know. I, I, I think the Suns can play in a slow down game completely. And that's what really fouls do. And so I don't know if they had the biggest gripe in the world is somebody like a Memphis team does that, has to get up and down the floor, and if they have a lot of fouls called, it just slows them down, which makes it hard for them to win. I don't think the Suns teams like that. I think they're much better. So um, I don't know. I, I don't really have a take, but I think it's more about just Chris Paul, and he's going to be the loudest voice in the room. Yeah, that's fair. It, I get it. It feels targe- targeted, but when you have ISO like that and it's Luka, you're probably going to pick up those fouls, especially when Luka is hunting you. Every defensive possession, like you're just going to foul. Um, you're not going to be, you know, there's times where you're going to be lazy. You're worn out from playing one-on-one defense against Luca, who's kind of a brute now in the way he drives and attacks you that when you get those off-ball fouls on rebounds and stuff, like Chris Paul had one or two, that's just, you know, taking a break. You're tired, and he's old. Right. So it is one of those things. Now, certainly, I'm not afraid of the Suns winning this series. Uh, like, the Mavs hit like eight threes in the first quarter and then just kind of cruised from there. So that was a huge first quarter for them. I'm not afraid of the Suns. I said this series wasn't even going to be close. It's been closer than I thought it would be. I really thought the Suns were going to win game four and go up 3-1. So I was surprised at the 2-2 result. But I'm still saying they win in six. Uh, Is that how you see it? Or do you think it's a seven-game series now like the 76ers heat? Man, I, I think it is a a toss up at this point. But 
if you had to make me hold me down and give a full answer of really how I'm feeling, I have to give the Mavericks a little bit of credit. So I'm going to have to say seven because what they're doing is really they're, they're hunting Chris Paul, such as they were hunting uh, the, the Phoenix Suns were hunting Luca in the first two games. Well, now, you know, Chris Paul had five total fouls in the first two games combined. And now he's had, I think it was four fouls and six fouls. So like these last two games that that it's what's flipped on its head is they've learned like, Hey, if you're going to do that to us, we're now doing that to you. And because it's hurting Phoenix more, they're, uh, they're going to have to make some adjustments and Monty with his uh, now, I guess, you know, everybody in the Twitter world and everybody around that's an NBA fan thinks he's the best coach in basketball. It's time to earn his money, time to earn his Mm. NBA coaching award that he, uh, (laughs) that he shouldn't have deserved, but he gets. He gets because they won the most games and they were out. They were better by anybody by 10 to 15 games. So yeah, he gets it by default. Anybody that does that kind of performance with the team in the regular season always gets it. It's very hard to lose that award. If you do, if you perform like that in the regular season, the biggest problem for me always this year has always been their role players like Landry Shamit. Come on. I've never been excited about Landry. Uh, JaVale McGee has been good for them in spots, but it's still JaVale McGee, like Torrey Craig. That's always been their weakest part. It's weird. This team kind of misses Dario Saric, who wasn't, you know, super great for a lot of the year last year, but had moments in the playoffs. He just gives them another spread pick and roll player from the four or five position that I think they're missing. Um, so they're, the Suns are kind of very predictable right now, which is always, you know, it gives me a little caution when I think about winning a playoff series, but I think ultimately with the Mavs, it's do or die from the three. They've embraced the variance and you kind of have to in this series. So do I see it more likely that the Mavs have two bad shooting games, lose the series? Yes. And ultimately I think that's where this goes Two bad three point shooting games. And it's all she wrote, and the Suns would advance. So let's get – we've got 2-2 on those games right now. Let's talk about the games that are happening tonight. Both of those series are 2-1. Do you think we are going to have four second-round series, all 2-2, after tonight? Woo! That would be – would that be the first time? Can't be the first time ever. It's, It's probably very, very few. Yeah. Times in um, NBA history where all four series have been 2-2. Yes. All 2-2. <laughs> yep. So you I'm, are taking the Celtics and Grizzlies on the road in game four. I am. I believe okay. in the Celtics. Um, okay. I am a Memphian. So, yes, at 10 and a half, you know, (laughs) that doesn't scare me at all. No job ramp, not at all. Yeah, we'll get get to that quickly. They're better without Ja. (laughs) But you'd still take Ja over Steph Curry in a series. Um, 100%. (laughs) um, Let's start with the Celtics-Bucks. Game three was rough. This is... Now, I thought this was going to be the most high-quality play basketball, and it has from the defensive end. The defense in this series has been absolutely remarkable, and I don't know if that kind of keys to maybe the offense is just that bad for both teams because both teams' offenses have looked great. But I'm going to give credit to the defense. These are one of the two of the top probably five or six 
best defensive teams in the NBA, and it has been an absolute heavyweight prize fight on defense anyways. Um, Jason Tatum has not had a great series. Jalen Brown had that one. He was on fire game. If Jalen Brown doesn't go off, I mean, we could be looking at the Celtics down 3-0, which is a shock to me because I really was in on the Celtics getting that home court advantage and going for the two seed. And so I really thought that was going to play into their hands in a big way. And they almost stole game three against the Bucks. I know they only lost by a couple of points. That last little final thing on the Marcus Smart miss free throw was pure mayhem. Got the tip late. Al Horford tipped it, but it was after the buzzer. And the another controversial call. Missed call with Marcus Smart coming off the three. Drew Holiday fouled him. They didn't give him the three free throws, and so that's how we got ended in this one. So is this just purely who is make who's going to shoot 40% in this game, wins this game to you, or do you think there's another X factor? Is it the three-point line? Somebody gets to the free throw line. What, what's like, who do you think's Who do you think comes out of this series first off? And how do you think, what's the roadmap to getting there? Yeah, I, I think it's the Boston Celtics uh, coming out of this Ooh, series. Okay. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. And that's a little uh, spicy. But I predicted the Celtics in seven, and I think that they are the better, deeper team. And I think, as I've always said, probably way too much, and use this one word, way too much, but adjustments. Um, if you look at what the, um, the Milwaukee uh, Bucks did in this last game, uh, they went a little bit smaller. They, they were going with Bobby Portis more uh, in the starting lineup, and they went a little bit smaller early on. That actually allowed uh, Brooke Lopez, you know, to kind of have more free reign um, and being their their sole big man because it allows them to to go and match up with the Celtics a little bit better. But uh, I think that this game and this series goes as Jason Tatum does moving forward. He's had mm. a terrible series. Like you said, they could be down 3-0 realistically, but they're not. And they have a chance with even Jason Tatum scoring, what was it, 10 points? One rebound, three assists in 41 minutes. That mm. just goes to show that if Tatum can figure it out, I believe that they're going to be the better team and they're going to win this series because Giannis is going to do Giannis things. He's going to go off for 30, 40 points. He's going to have a double-double, possibly a triple-double. That's his game. Like, he is their best player. They have to have a supporting cast that's going to, you know, honestly answer the call. And is that Drew Holiday going 3 of 10 from deep, 11 of 30 from the two-point? I don't think that they I don't think that that's going to beat the Boston Celtics if Jason Tatum can figure itself out. So it's about coaching. So um, is it Emi Adoku? Is that his name? Yeah. Adoka. Yeah. Well, he's going to earn his money right now and the players can play, do whatever. They have to put them in a good spot to win and they have to figure out a way to get Jason Tatum going because in the end, this will go on the back of Jason Tatum moving forward. And if he ha- if he goes off for 25 points tonight, um, not go off, I guess that's a, a good game from him. If he does 25-plus points tonight, Boston Celtics win. Yeah, it's interesting because 25, if you're, if you're a betting person and you're looking at props, 25 would actually be underperforming probably to where his prop line is. If I had to guess, it's probably 27.5, 28.5, so – um, to be 25 would actually be underperforming, but that just shows the defense in this series. If you get 25 points, it's like a 40-point game. And I know Giannis has had a 40-plus point game, 
but the just the taxing that you're taking from these defenses. The problem is, it's like you can't let Drew Holiday go for 24 to 25 points. Like that's that's the biggest yeah. problem for the Celtics. Like you can give up 50 to Giannis as long as you're not giving up 15 plus to Drew. You pretty much have the hand the game in hand. So Drew going for 20 to 25 is just something that the Celtics cannot have. So to me, that's kind of the X factor in this. What are they going to do with Drew? Um, I really don't think they should be like, obviously they don't just let Giannis do whatever he wants, but they shouldn't be given so much resistance to Giannis that Drew is getting all these easy points to get in the 20 plus range. So it sounds like that we are on the three series so far going seven games, which Hmm. uh, would be a, um, one of the first times that's ever happened, I would think, to have three out of four series go seven. Uh, but that would be a lot of fun, especially for us NBA fans. So we know that usually doesn't happen that way. So um, here's for wishful thinking. Now, maybe we'll have four for four that you thinking will have seven game series. Two, one tonight. Warriors are up on the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, John Morant is doubtful. We don't know word yet. We probably won't know till this afternoon. But you think that the Grizzlies have a chance without Ja to beat the Warriors in Oracle to even this series up? They're at the Chase Center now. Oracle was the place that was much cooler, much louder. Um, the the Oracle was loud. Chase Center is kind of like quiet. Like I could actually hear the people talking <laughs> while they were playing the game. Um, big, big, big time crowd there. Really loud. Um, I think that <laughs> they um, – I think the Grizzlies have proven people wrong all year, it, me me included. Um, I never would have thought that this this team, as currently constructed, without Ja would be as good as they are. And the reason is because they play a completely different style of offense when Ja's not in the game. And it's led by Tyus Jones, who uh, likes to move the ball much more Uh, likes to completely like just get a better flow of offense for everybody else. Um, You're also getting a guy back with Dylan Brooks who has a lot to prove. He also has fresh legs. And with that being said, the game flow, it fits more of Dylan Brooks's style when uh, Tyus is running, running the the ball with the point guard. So I think that there really is a shot in the dark chance that they can win this game. Uh, ten and a half, man. I I love that because I don't believe that they're going to the Golden State Warriors can win by eleven plus points because I just think that there's too many athletes, especially they're going to go out guns a blazing because if they they know if they go down three one, the series is over. They're done. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about taking care of your superstar player. The only player that they paid any money to really has been Jaron Jackson Jr. And so maybe he comes out if the game gets out of hand. The rest of these guys, I think they are balling out. They have a lot to prove. And on the Grizz 901 podcast, you've talked about Tyus Jones getting a contract and this being a contract game. So I, I don't know why they don't put everything they possibly can out on the floor. And defensively, they're going to be better. So if they can yeah. somehow pick it up defensively and figure it out on the offensive end, Man, I, I really think they have a fighting chance. Yeah, I think ten and a half is probably my easiest thing. I, I've 
I've really wrestled over every bet in the playoffs because it's just so hard to predict. I mean, I've had some easy wins, but I didn't love the lines. Um, this one, 10 and a half. I love it. Give me, give me the Grizzlies. I'm sorry. I know everyone's, I think that's just way too high. Um, for how the Grizzlies performed all year without jaw to be catching an extra four points uh, in jaw's absence. I mean, jaw's good, but he's not near LeBron level point adjustment. Good. Uh, And I think just people saw that they got blown out by 30. The Warriors had their hot shooting game. You are hundred percent correct. The the Grizzlies defense will be better. It will be more attentive. The big thing for me is Desmond Bain is if he's going to be, 90 to 95% healthy if he's going to go off. And if they're, if the Warriors are going to continue to chase him off the line and chase him, whatever he does, is he going to be able to find the guys on the wing and in the post without turning the ball over, which is something that he's done recently on his drives. He'll just take bad shots now, or they'll get blocked, or he's forcing a pass and it's a turnover and run out. So we'll see. I do think this will be a more up and down game. The, the Warriors really, really pushed it in game three with Draymond on the break and got into some easy looks. But the Grizzlies just were not ready to compete on the perimeter guarding Jordan Poole. So I do not expect a repeat performance like that. I agree. I, I think the cover, 10 and a half, I mean, maybe it might be a close shave. Maybe they lose by seven to nine and we're sweating it out. But I do also think that they could potentially win this as well. They've done it all season, so it wouldn't surprise me here. Um, and then it would start the whole Twitter narrative of, look, the Grizzlies are better without Jaw again. Um, so I, I don't want to see that happen, but that's, hmm. that's how deep this Grizzlies team is. So it shouldn't surprise anybody if you've watched them all year outside of Memphis and the Bluff City. Uh, It should not surprise you if the Grizzlies win tonight, but I definitely think they're covering that 10 and a half. No problem. Now, I said before the series that it was going to go 4-2 anyway, so this does set up to be end exactly in six games. Warriors win tonight in a close one, go up 3-1, Grizzlies win at home, and then the Warriors close it out in Oracle. Realistically, is that how you see this going? Or is this another seven-game candidate to you? I think it's another seven-game candidate because Woo! the Grizzlies four out of four. <laughs> they have to win. They have to win one of these games, and I think they have too much pride. But will they? But will yes. they? Yes, I okay. think there's. They have too much pride to completely go down. Uh, man, that that would be tough. Um, let me let me walk that back because <laughs> I don't believe there's any way. Like. Them winning three games, wow, that would be tough. So I'm gonna let me go six. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on board with you, and we'll say okay. they finish it in uh, the Chase Center there, uh, in in wherever they are, San Francisco, and six games. The Grizzlies figure out a way to win either Game Four, or Game Five, and they close it out in Game Six. Um, the Warriors do. Yeah, and of course, everybody is talking about everything that is outside of the basketball court with this series. I mean, I've listened to podcasts from people that we used to be affiliated with who are on the Warriors side, people that we know that are on the Grizzlies side, and it's been bad. (laughs) It's really bad. And I've had my complaints about things, and unfortunately, 
it's just kind of how this this series has gone with the grandstanding and everyone trying to point out different things, and then they turn a blind eye to some things, and then we play better basketball than you, and well, we're doing this, blah blah blah. Like it's just everything has been about everything else. It's been about everything else besides what's been on the court. Um, and it's unfortunate that this series has gone this way. Hope Jaw is okay. Obviously did not want to see Gary Payton Jr. Uh, in or the second. Uh, is it second or third? He's a second, second right? Second. Yeah, Gary Payton's second injured. Nobody wants to see that. Um, so let's hope that it doesn't get any more toxic than it already is on Twitter. I, although that's wishful thinking, it's going to get bad. Um, and let's just try to have a couple more decent games for as long as this thing will last. So Dale, do you have anything to plug before we go? I know that was a little quicker talking about second round update. Um, anything to plug or specific thoughts about any games tonight? Yep, so I do. I want to uh, plug our Bet the Lead uh, team over there. Uh, you can follow them at Bet the Lead, all spelled out on Twitter. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is because I have three best bets that I've hit, um, I want to say, almost every game, if not every game so far uh, this series, uh, this entire, um, I guess, time in the playoffs. Uh, but in these series that are going on, obviously we're in game four tonight in both of these. So uh, let's go with Horford double-double. It's a plus Ooh. 200. Uh, Horford has hit on this in the last three games, and he's cleared by, I want to say, his lowest margin of rebounds has been 11. Um, and so he's cleared this uh, in those first three games. I think it's at plus 200, or it was. Uh, I'm seeing it falling down a little bit uh, in some places, but I think you can still get it at plus 200. Uh, the other one I'm going to go with is uh, Robin Lopez, uh, or is Robin. Brooke Lopez, <laughs> over five and a half rebounds. Uh, mm. It is a little bit of a juiced, uh, juiced line. It's minus 142. Uh, but I it's think actually that, higher, too. Yeah, it's I, I think he's been like four and a half. Yeah. Yeah, so it went up a little bit. Uh, but he's hit this in uh, every game this entire series so far, as well as the one game he played uh, back in uh, April, I believe, with them. And so his lowest amount has been uh, six rebounds but he's also had two double-doubles in this series as well. So if you like his double-double line as well, um, it is um, pretty pretty high. I think you can get it for plus 300, plus 350 uh, if you like that as well, because I think he's going to get the 10 points. Uh, and the last one I have is Draymond Green over three and a half turnovers. And the reason is, mm. is because for the simple thing of one, he's averaging 4.6 turnovers in every game he's played against the Grizzlies this season as a whole, every time he's played them, he's had four or more turnovers. The first three games of the, of the, I guess, of this season, he's played. I'm sorry. Let's go to the two regular season games. He's had five turn, turnovers in each. First game he played, even in his limited minutes before he was thrown out with flagrant two, he had five turnovers. And then the last two games, he's had four. This team wow. is going to be better defensively uh, because without jaw, they're going to have a lot more activity, in my opinion. And they have a lot of guys who can get a lot of steals, even though Ja was getting some steals. They're going to be more active. And I think that he's going to, they're going to try to go through Draymond a little bit more, especially if you have somebody like Steven Adams on the floor. Uh, even if it's Xavier Tillman, you still could get a lot of uh, the ball into uh, Draymond Green's hands. So I like him over three and a half 
turnovers at plus 125. Oh, oh, what a line. Nice place to give out. Uh, I, I'm afraid to play anything after the weekend I had after the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike coming the back world? from the back of the pack. Uh, I had a little bit on Epicenter. Obviously, I also had money on Zandun or Zandon, however you say it. Uh, did not have a dime on the 21 horse at 80 to 1. Uh, and then so me and my buddy were watching it and all of a sudden we're like, wait a second, what's that horse? Yeah, who is and that? <laughs> he just flew by everybody. Makes no sense. So that horse, I mean, if that horse doesn't come up in a dumpster dead, I would be surprised because they testing that man. Yeah. Because there is no way that he was added after a scratched horse and comes in and wins the derby like that from the back of the pack. That man was juiced to high heaven. Uh, so we'll see what comes out of that if we have back-to-back years on juiced horses. But I have a feeling Rich Strike is his luck's kind of run out. Um, so I would be surprised to hear that he's around us anymore. He had <laughs> one of those workout heart attacks that Medina Spirit had last year mysteriously. Uh, so if you're a racing fan, you understand what I'm saying. If you're not a racing fan, then you assume that I was just, yeah. You just have no idea what's going on. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in this week. We will be back next week. Maybe we'll get some finality from some of these series and be able to talk about conference championships matchups. Um, so, yeah, let's have a good week. Daniel, thanks for hopping on real quick with me this morning. And I don't think we had too many 18-wheelers in the background, so it sounds all good. Um, so everyone have a good week enjoy the games tonight let's hope for 2-2 all around in all four series Here we